Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I'm good That's some bad hat It's a cool Get any of that. Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful Hello and Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive, and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Ted Lasso Season 1. Damask Leary, how yes. you doing? <laughs> how me doing? Me how doing well. Doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's a nice day. It's a lovely day. Um, organized, well, started to organize my going away party yesterday. Did invite. Thank you for that. Um, you're welcome. Be weird if I didn't invite you. Can I go? That's that's true. Let's let's see how the relationship goes over the next few weeks. If you ever wanted a clean break, now's the opportunity, oh, right? I am. You are moving into state. You that's could say, true. You I could what, ghost a lot of people. All <laughs> I've right. Tolerated you for this long, no longer. <laughs> I would never, broad. Never. Um, yeah. So that was fun, scary, and emotional. Um, and just oh. and then I was looking at my calendar trying to figure out how many weekends I have and yeah. then like trying to organize things and I was just like Andrew and I were sitting next to each other just like freaking out. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Brod? Good. Yeah. Not having to do that. I'm counting down the days till I have a bit of a break is the main thing. Mm, from me? How dare you? No, from work. I've got fifteen work days left. And I'm literally counting. Like it's it's more like three or four weeks. H- how long are you off? Uh, I'm getting two weeks off, two and a bit weeks oh, off, right. which been like nice. a school holidays situation, including when your party's on. Actually, so Woo-hoo! you know, no responsibilities after. Right, we're that. going on a bender. I heard <laughs> going that. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and otherwise, just enjoy the weather. I don't know. Uh, years off to an auspicious start. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to just make stuff up, bro. Okay, if, sure. if nothing's going on, that's fine. Just <laughs> well, say nothing is going. <laughs> give something for the listeners. Actually, speaking of li- listeners, uh, last week we reviewed Soprano Season 3. I did want to mention we got some correspondence from Steve Jeffrey, one of our uh, regular listeners. He's been listening for a long time. He wanted to let us know, we are talking about the character of Silvio has not really... Was not really featured that much in season three. We're no, like, we missed him. We'd like to see more Sylvia. Mm. Let's do more with him. Paulie and other characters were getting stuff going on. And he said to us on Twitter, and you can contact us on Twitter at Hunting S Cast. He said, if you want to spend more time with Silvio, you could always watch Lilyhammer. Have you heard of Lilyhammer before? No, never. Neither did I. Stephen Van Zant, basically playing the same character here named Frank Tagliano, a New York mob star in the witness protection program hidden away in Lilyhammer, Norway. Three seasons of hijinks ensue. That sounds kind of fun. I like the idea of that. Like a, I'm into it. a known, well, you know, an ex mobster essentially in mm. witness protection. And we did need another thing to watch. So thanks, Steve. <laughs> thanks, Steve. <laughs> We're mostly watching Surprise for him, I think, anyway, at this point. This is true. So, you know, thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's get to our spoiler free review of Ted Lasso season one. Let me clue you in. Season in review. 
Ted Lasso is an Apple TV Plus American sitcom television series developed by Bill Lawrence, creator of Scrubs, Cougar Town and Spin City, Jason Sudeikis, Joe Kelly and Brendan Hunt, based on a character of the same name that Sudeikis first portrayed in a series of promos for NBC Sports coverage of the English Premier League. The show follows Ted, an American college football coach, when he's recruited to manage an EPL team despite having no experience with the sport. The series premiered with Apple TV Plus on August 14th, 2020, and stars Jason Sudeikis, Hannah Waddingham, Jeremy Swift, Phil Dunster, Brett Goldstein, Brendan Hunt, Nick Muhammad, Juno Temple, and Anthony Stewart Head. I notice he's Anthony Head these days. He's always Anthony Stewart Head on Buffy, I thought. I don't know when that change happened. Maybe you realised it was unnecessary. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, Giles, as former <laughs> owner of AFC Richmond, Rupert Menion. Ted Lasso season one consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 31 minutes, and took us approximately five hours and 10 minutes to watch. The show was renewed by Apple TV Plus for a second season just five days after its premiere. In October 2020, only two months later, the series was renewed again for a third season. (laughs) It was. That's confident. That is confidence. Uh, Damask, Mm -hmm. before we get to our spoiler-free reviews, how familiar familiar are you with the sport of football, which we call soccer here in Australia? Mm -hmm. And are you typically a fan of sports media, sports-related, pop culture, TV shows, movies, etc.? Great questions. Once again, Brad, Killing it. All right. Um, sorry, soccer or a football. I'm not at all. The only time I've watched football was during World Cup when Australia was in it. I think it was 2006. 2006. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And I remember staying up and watching a game versus Italy, yeah. which was fucking bullshit. It was, it was fucking it was bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> um, and that was like the first time that I had felt passionate about a sports game. Like I was screaming at the TV. I was furious. Um, yep. I, I won't go into it because it's, you know. That was a bullshit penalty. Heart, it was Yeah, heartbreak bullshit. for the nation. Yeah. And I think we're all still recovering, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the only time I've watched it. I've tried. Like, so it used to be on SBS all the time. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'll give it a whirl. And I was like, no, you don't get it. I don't get it. Sure. I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand how a game in which there's so little scoring can keep you going for so long. Yep. That's always confused me. In terms of sports media, mm-hmm. as you put it, I loved Mighty Ducks growing up, bit mm-hmm. of Space Jam, um, Bad News Bears, loved all that stuff. Loved Glow. What's yeah. another sports thing we've watched? Queen's Gambit. Fucking hated that. It was a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if it's done really well, I can super get into a sports movie or show. Like Sandlot Kids, or oh, it's called The Sandlot. Um, though I, I always called it Sandlot Kids. Anyway, uh, sure. it's the baseball one with the big dog. I love that growing <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like sports movies and sports shows. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I have no real affection for the game of football, mm-hmm. the beautiful game, soccer, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I, like you, probably tune in only when the World Cup is on. I only did that once. And that one time sort of scarred me to never want to <laughs> yeah. watch football or participate yeah. in it ever again. Australia's not very good at soccer. It's just we're not. not. We're, we're not that good. We've had good players. We're good Tim in the Cahill water. Stuff like that. Or we were. We were once upon a time. Yeah. And then we stopped being good at that too. Australia's not really great at anything internationally at the moment when it comes. We're great in women's sports recently. Great mm. in women's cricket. Um, some of the, like hockey, the hockey, uh, the Kookaburras, Hockeyroos? No, the, the Hockeyroos? Ho- there's a the Hockeyroos. That's actually a team. <laughs> just the, the hockey. 
Hockaroos is, Hockaroos. I think, an amazing name. We're not bad at basketball, women's, but oh, the US is always the best. Anyway, point being, soccer's not really my sport. No. I struggle to follow or be enthusiastic about a game where the highlights include nearly scoring. Right, mm-hmm. that's not really a highlight to me. If a yeah. game can end zero zero and the highlight package is people nearly getting a goal, mm-hmm. something's wrong with your sport. I think, and, I, and many <laughs> hear that rest of the world, something's <laughs> yeah. wrong with yeah. your sport. Yeah. And the amount of flopping that goes on in soccer just drives me insane. What's flopping? Oh, when they pretend to when be they injured. pretend to be injured. Yeah, it's like, very dramatic. It's I, very I dramatic. quite enjoy that. And someone somewhat. who watches a sport where people get smashed on the regular, then get up with blood dripping from their face mm. and continue to play as long as they can before the umpire says, you have to go off now, you're bleeding. I get it. You watch the sport of real men, <laughs> bruh. <laughs> I do find the flopping very, very uh, controversial. And in, I don't know, in general, yeah. I, I have a theory that a few people have. You know how there's like, like obviously people are very passionate about Soccer. Mm-hmm. I get that. I get the passion for their football team. Mm-hmm. But the riots and stuff, right? Mm. Of course, there's going to be riots when people go there, sit there for 90 minutes, and they're excited for things to happen, then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Who's not going to start ripping up chairs and throwing flares? That just makes yep. sense to me that that's the outcome of that in that sport. Anyway. As a woman, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> just deal with your fucking emotions and go home. Hey. This <laughs> Which is good, what we're talking about Maybe it's about a good today. show to be watching. Uh, beyond that, yeah, sports media. I do follow a lot of sport, AFL in Australia, cricket. Um, I like basketball, those sorts of things. So, sport in general, I'm a fan of tennis. Australian Open's about to start here. Looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of... Like shows and movies, yeah, big fan of that genre. Not mm. like I've seen them all, but I've said before that Creed is probably one of my all-time favourite films. Obviously, basically a remake or a reboot of Rocky, mm-hmm. but I totally understand the appeal there. Uh, yeah, The Mighty Ducks, Rookie of the Year, freaking whatever, like League of Their Own, all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, League of Their Own, a couple have got that. I, yeah. I thought I was like, did you mention? Surely you mentioned <laughs> League of Their Own, it's your favourite. Those sorts of stories appeal to mm. me. Karate Kid, Queen's Gambit appealed to me in a really, really big way. So already this show had that going for it. The mm-hmm. soccer side of things was the bit that made me sort of go, I don't know if mm. I'm going to love this if it's like very soccer centric. Mm. I didn't like Bender like Beckham. I've never seen Bedlam. Mostly because I was waiting for them to be lesbians and then like, no one's a lesbian. I was like, well, what a waste of my time. (laughs) (laughs) Damask, would you like to give us your spoiler-free review of Ted Lasso Season 1? You know what, Brod? Why not? Let's do it. So this was my second time watching Ted Lasso, actually. I watched all of it yesterday. It's a very easy watch. And the first was during Melbourne's lockdown. For our international listeners, this was a pretty insane time. I think a lot of places around the world are now feeling it. But Melbourne in 2020 was locked down hard and there's only so many drunken zoom calls you can handle in a week you know so you'd go from feeling fine into spiraling thinking about when would it all end but while it was a difficult time mentally it felt like we were all pulling together for the greater good we stayed put we put on our masks and we gave away a year of our lives so it was in that mental space in which i watched this show Ooh, and this show this show couldn't have been more perfect. It's a show about a fish out of water. An American football coach immerses himself in the cynical and emotionally dead world of soccer, except for anger. They love to feel anger. I was going to say, there was one pre- yeah. very prominent emotion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ted Lasso, this fish from the US, is the embodiment of hope. And England, and football more specifically, is where they believe hope is what kills you. Some who watch Ted Lasso will say it's saccharine and naive, and yeah, maybe it is a little bit, but 
When that is done well, it's just what we need. It's a show that breaks down those walls that make you want to roll your eyes. And I'm the first person to roll my eyes if something lame is happening on screen or that makes me emotionally uncomfortable. The warmth that Jason Sudeikis brings to the character of Ted Lasso is almost impossible to shame or turn away from. He is pure light and common decency. Now, that's not to say he doesn't experience his own hardship. Of course he does. If he was only positive feelings, the whole show would mean less. He struggles, but he understands the value of showing up every day and working through hard feelings and experiences with the community you have dedicated yourself to. And he also knows that a community that can't hold you when you are at your most vulnerable isn't worth much at all. He dedicates himself to creating that community for those that are crying out from deprivation. He doesn't do it righteously, though. He does it joyously. This season demonstrates in such a heartfelt way that being responsible for one another, living in empathy and filling your days with acts of kindness is the most goddamn beautiful thing you could ever do. This show is so loving, both to its characters and its viewers, and I think we all need a lot of that right now. Also, it's really funny. Just watch it already. That's my review. So when you talk about people might criticise this show for being saccharine or naive, is there a Mm. particular element of the show or its messaging that stands out for you in that regard that you think that people would feel that way about? I think like unabashed goodness makes people uncomfortable. I think like there's certain instances where I've watched a show and that has made me very uncomfortable. But I think that's because oftentimes when it's portrayed on screen, It feels disingenuous because it feels like it's not dealing with reality. Whereas this show, while being about unabashed goodness, Mm. doesn't shy away from hard realities, which is good. I also think it's worth mentioning, and I don't... This is not kind of a spoiler for real life in in a sense. The ideas presented in Ted Lasso about, like, what Ted brings to... Mm -hmm this football club in terms of how he is trying to make them better as a team mm-hmm. and as a soccer, you know, as, as, as players mm. is based in real like coaching methods. Mm-hmm. I might get to talking about the similarities between this fictional Richmond football club mm-hmm. and the Richmond football club that I follow mm-hmm. in the AFL in Australia and how there is a number of ridiculous coincidences or similarities in terms of the story of how, my club went from being absolute shit mm. to being having won three premierships in four years now in Australia. And the story and the methods they used are very similar. The idea of like vulnerability mm-hmm. and connection and all these sorts mm. of things to build closer to a team to get better at playing football has actual real mm. life uh, impl- applications that have been used in the past. And I found that just like... I'm going to get to my review because it's going to explain a little bit better. So, (laughs) apologies in advance to our listeners. This is not going to be pretty. I absolutely adore Ted Lasso and the remainder of this review is going to be a gross, sloppy, gushy mess. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. And firstly, and this is what I was getting to, this show seems deliberately engineered to appeal to me. I mean, specifically me. (laughs) So self-centered. To begin with, yes. With the exception of being set around the sport of soccer, which I've already said I'm not really into... Because I do mean soccer, not football. For future reference TV-making algorithm that's making shows for me, when I say football, I mean Australian rules. Nice try, though. 
We recently discussed my love for f- sports films in our reviews of The Queen's Gambit, and this fits all the hallmarks of what makes that genre work. Down and out underdogs who need to learn to work together to beat the odds, and maybe the real victory was the friends we made along the way? Tick. A 30-minute ensemble sitcom centered around a diverse group who grow to become, quote, unquote, family? Tick. The name of the football club actually being Richmond. The exact same name of my first love, the Richmond Football Club, aka the AFL Richmond Tigers. How dare you? but also tick. All of this is just an outline, though. A synopsis is not the product. Many, many shows have tried to be that quirky sitcom you love so much you watch it as a warm blanket, but only so many have the magic to pull that off. Ted Lasso has the magic. It's easy to compare this show to a number of other TV comedies I enjoy. The best of The Good Place, five out of six seasons of Community. The show with the most in common with Ted Lasso, in my opinion, is Parks and Recreation. I've been on record numerous times as saying that Leslie Nope is one of my all-time favorite TV characters, and Coach Ted Lasso is gleefully following in her optimistic, positive, confident, and capable footsteps. The writing is top-notch on every level. Season 1 is a complete thought, a full expression of an idea that also leaves plenty of room to move forward, weaving its themes effortlessly into each episode, character, and relationship. From top down, Ted Lasso is positive, charming, vulnerable, and super importantly, properly funny. And funny in an admirable way. This does not mean spirited, judgmental, laugh at this idiot humor. It is empathetic, character-driven laughs propelled by an excellent cast with an enchanting chemistry. Like the great sitcoms I mentioned before, while the characters are over the top and cartoonish in their broadest definitions, they are still fully fleshed out, vulnerable, complex-ish people (laughs) that leave room to love them beyond being amusing from scene to scene. And again, like those previous shows, this extends to even the most minor characters, doing what the best sitcoms do and forming a larger ensemble that fleshes out the bigger, dare I say, community, deepening the world and the audience's affection for it. Oh, did I mention Female Friendship, a show about a men's football club, arguably one of the most notorious boys club institutions in the world, goes out of its way to not only have compelling and commendable women characters, but making sure they are just as important to us and each other as any of the men. There is also one thing that Ted Lasso undoubtedly does better than Parks and Rec, and that it arrives fully formed. As much as I love PNR, it takes two full seasons to finally get good. Ted Lasso doesn't need the run-up to greatness, period. It just is great from the beginning. Do I have any criticisms? Uh, sure. (laughs) Um, sometimes the fake crowd at the football games isn't super convincing. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) For all of the 2020, all of 2020's bullshit, it's now product number three from that year, different pieces of pop culture entertainment that articulate my general worldview in a way that I haven't really seen before. The Good Place finale, Pixar's Soul, and now Ted Lasso. Uh, this isn't just a show that we needed right now, though I agree with you on that, Damask. It's the show we always have needed and always will need. I fucking love it. Amen. Take me to church. <laughs> What would you give this show out of five stars, Damask? Season one of Ted Lasso. Mm. It's an incredibly high 4.5 for me. I am also giving it a 4.5. I know I gushed and it would be very easy for me to say five out of five. Mm. In my heart, it probably is five out of five. I need to give it some room to possibly get better, get better. though. I'll be honest. That's There's like a few moments where I'm like, oh, that takes you down a bit. But ultimately, it's because I feel like the show is going to give me so much more. So I'm yeah. like, I need some wriggle room. I, yeah. I'm convinced that like... <laughs> This is this has got room to get better still, yes. which is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give it a 4.5 on paper. <laughs> yeah, okay. In my heart, I've only watched it the one time so far. 
But I like. I'm looking forward to watching it again. Great on the rewatch, my ass. Whenever I can, I how can I was still like crying and laughing and like feeling so fulfilled by the end of it once again. So yeah, it's definitely a show that you can watch and watch and watch, particularly if you're having a a bad day. I think it'll yeah be good for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Before we dive into spoilers, splash, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the podcast to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And because we're just really, really nice people, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review just for you, dear listener, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season one. You want it. Let's People have been begging for it. <laughs> we would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening to our beautiful voices. Next week, we'll be back with friend of the show, Paul Mitzi, to review It's a Sin Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to that discussion of It's a Sin, or if you have any thoughts on Ted Lasso, on uh, maybe what I'm saying about soccer and how I'm wrong about hating football, you can write <laughs> to us or send us an audio recording that we might just include in a future episode to contact at the Hunting Seasons Podcast or find us on Twitter at Hunting Scast. You can also find us on Instagram at Hunting Seasons Podcast. Mm-hmm. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Ted Lasso Season 1. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Ted Lasso. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Ted Lasso up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. warned. (laughs) Kids, 
I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. Ted Lasso moves all the way from the US to London with his BFF and colleague Coach Beard. They had some success with American football, so Rebecca, the owner of the Richmond Greyhounds, decides he's the right man for the job. Except secretly, she only hired him because she wants the team to fail. You see, she got the team from her ex-husband in their divorce. He is a full-on monster, but is played by Anthony Head, so I feel very conflicted. Goddamn, though, he's very good at being despicable. Rebecca isn't the only one holding in some secrets. Ted has decided to fly to the other side of the world because his marriage is on the rocks and he wants to give his wife some space. He meets the team. We have Grumpy Roy, who is captain. We have Dickhead Jamie, who is the star. We have Beautiful Sam, who misses his family in Nigeria. We have some other guys who I can't remember. Anyway, first Rebecca tries to set Ted up by pushing him into a press conference that he isn't ready for. He has no idea what he's doing and everyone decides he's an idiot totally out of his depth. Now, he is out of his depth, but he's not an idiot. He notices that the team hates one another, so he gets them all to band together and give beautiful Sam a birthday present to remind him of home. Grumpy Roy and dickhead Jamie still hate one another, though. Every day, Ted walks into Rebecca's office and offers her delicious biscuits. She wants Ted to fail, but she can't deny their deliciousness. That won't distract her from her plan, though. She sets Ted up with a journalist from The Independent to do a profile on him. She thinks the cynical journalist will rip him apart. But, just like everyone else, the journalist is absolutely charmed by Ted's enthusiasm for and support of everyone around him. He doesn't think Ted will succeed, but he can't knock him for how hard he's trying. Rebecca's next plan is to get Ted to visit Keely, Jamie's girlfriend who is way out of his league because she is very smart and funny and wonderful. Anyway, Rebecca sends a pap to take some photos that look bad. Of course, the whole incident is innocent because Ted is great and there is nothing creepy or predatory or inappropriate about him at all and that's why we love him. Then Keely finds out that a photo of her and the head coach are going into the paper. She's able to hold it off for one day. She tells Ted because of course she would. And then Ted tells her, don't worry, our good friend Rebecca will help us out. And of course she does, not because she wants to, but because she can't have everyone know her evil plan. It's time for a big charity ball. The club does it every year, but this is the first that Rebecca will have to run herself. There's a disaster, though, because Robbie Williams is cancelled and Rebecca gets her henchman Higgins to find a replacement. All the fellas get dressed up, including adorable Nate, who is the team's kit man. Ted and Coach Beard meet him on the first day. He's a very shy dude, but he loves the game and has helped the Americans with his football knowledge. Grumpy Roy and dickhead Jamie still hate each other. Ted tries to thaw the ice a little. They kind of shake hands and decide not to kill each other for the good of the team, but they still have a deep hatred. Keely is sick of Jamie being a fucking wanker, and she meets up with Rebecca in the toilets. Rebecca is also having a majorly shit night because her ex, Rupert, has gatecrashed the evening. Everyone loves him, and all he does is spend the entire evening calling her useless and old. Ted sees this and then realises that it was most likely Rupert who sabotaged the event and cancelled Robbie Williams. Anyway, Keely and Rebecca are commiserating in the toilets. Rebecca wasted years on a man that would never apologise for anything and didn't give a shit if he destroyed who she was. Keely is inspired and breaks up with Jamie. She also bids on Grumpy Roy in order to make Jamie jealous. Roy tells her that that is shit behaviour and he doesn't appreciate it. Keely is like, oh my god, a man who has feelings? I'm in. And I think we're all in. Can't wait to watch them bone. 
Ted's wife and son come for a visit. He's beyond overjoyed to see them. Wifey is sad, though. She doesn't feel the way she used to. She says she'll keep trying, though. Beautiful Ted doesn't want anyone to suffer needlessly. So he is brave and lets her go. It's very, 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 very sad and moving, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Also, dickhead Jamie is, yep, you guessed it, still being a dickhead. Ted benches him, and the team wins anyway. Then the team gets a previously injured player to join them on the pitch. This further alienates Jamie, who is having a hissy fit. The new player is injured shortly after rejoining, and everyone thinks it's because of a curse. They do a magical ritual to break the curse. Eventually, Jamie comes around because he figures, while he hates having to be an equal part of a team, he'd rather be on one than not at all. The team goes to an away game. Rebecca takes Keeley because they are definitely going to fucking absolutely fancy one another. I mean, right? Rebecca and Keeley, right? They keep talking about it. How is this not going to happen? Well, fuck, it doesn't happen, and I am very sad. Instead, they catch up with Rebecca's old school chum, Sassy. She tells Keeley what an incredible person Rebecca used to be before she met an emotionally abusive loser. Ted is struggling, though, as his wife wants him to sign divorce papers. He's not coping, and when Rebecca is singing Let It Go during a bonding karaoke session, he has a panic attack. Rebecca comes out and comforts him. It's very beautiful, and I love it. He heads back to the hotel and signs the papers. Grumpy Ron and Keeley finally decide to make a move on one another. They have a nice kiss before Grumpy Roy decides to call it a night. Keeley is very confused. Sassy knocks on Ted's door, and then they knock Boots. The next morning, Ted is very conflicted because he just signed divorce papers, but his crew of emotionally intelligent male friends, aka the Diamond Dogs, tell him not to be so hard on himself. Keely is trying to spend more time with Grumpy Roy, but he's being all aloof. So when dickhead Jamie drops by her house, she sleeps with him to feel a little better about herself. She tells Grumpy Roy the next day when he finally says out loud that he's definitely interested. He doesn't like the news though and goes to talk to the Diamond Dogs. They tell him that it doesn't matter if Keeley has a sexual past, even if it is with a dickhead, and that if he likes her, he needs to grow up and get over it. Amen, fellas. They cutely get together and I am very happy, even if it isn't the Keeley and Rebecca ship I wanted. One last bit of sabotage from Rebecca. She decides to trade Jamie since Ted had benched him anyway. Ted does not take it well. On Keely and Grumpy Roy's cute first date, he takes away a Paps memory card because it's rude for them to be taking pictures. Keely discovers on the card the photos that were taken of her and Ted. She also discovers that it was Rebecca who organised the trap. She goes up to her new BFF and says that if she doesn't tell Ted, then she will. Rebecca was already having a bad day, though, because she went to meet up with some minority owners of the club, who in fact were bought out by her ex, Rupert, who threatens to come to every game and publicly criticise every move she makes. Ted beats him at a game of darts, though, banning him from sitting in the owner's box. So yeah, Rebecca is going to have to tell her hero that she has been trying to fuck him over. Coach Beard and Nate tell Ted that Grumpy Roy isn't up to playing anymore. Ted refuses to bench him. The guides give him the silent treatment until he finally gets their point. He can't perform like the younger guys. Rebecca finds Ted and tells him after a few false starts. She apologises for using him as a pawn in her juvenile war with her ex-husband. Ted immediately forgives her. He understands the pain of divorce and that it can make you act unlike yourself. They hug and, once again, it is beautiful. Ted has the tough job of telling Roy that he is benched. Grumpy Roy doesn't take it well, but thanks to Keeley, he sees that he is more than just football and he needs to accept that within himself.
So Grumpy Roy needs to pick a new captain for the big game. Also, if they don't win, the team is relegated, which apparently means that they get demoted to a less cool league. I don't know the exact terms, but it's very bad. Ted isn't sure that he's the man for the job, but Rebecca reminds him that he is an outsider with an outsider's perspective. He decides to use that outsider brain and teach his team a bunch of trick plays. The game starts, there's lots of kicking and running. At one point in the game, they do the impossible and reach a tie, which means they can still stay in the league because some other team won and that means blah, blah, sports stuff. But nope, just as everyone is feeling elated and hopeful, their ex-teammate Jamie takes the ball and just at the last second, he does something he never did when he played for Richmond. And that's pass the ball. The team is devastated in the locker room, but Ted tells them there is one thing worse than feeling sad, and that's feeling sad alone. So they're going to feel everything they need to feel together, and then they're going to pick themselves up and try again. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Boy, when you lay it all out there like that, a lot kind of did happen in the (laughs) season, didn't it? There is a lot there, yeah. But what I like, something it sort of exemplifies though is... I, I'm so impressed by how well every single action and character move in the show is so motivated, Mm -hmm. so well motivated. Sometimes shows can be a bit confusing like that where things have to happen. So they happen. Convenience takes over. There's tiny Mm. little conveniences, maybe with like the, how Keely finds out about Rebecca Mm. getting the paparazzi, take the photo of her and Ted. I did always feel like that was going to have to come back at some stage because yeah. it just felt like the smoking, the Chekhov's gun situation yes. there. Um, and when it did, it wasn't, It what was beautiful about it, it wasn't this like, this is going to rend the whole thing apart and break it up. It was like, I found out now you need to own up to this mm-hmm. and like just kept pushing the show where it needed to go. And yeah, it wasn't to spark this whole like Rebecca v. Ted thing. Yeah. In fact, it really wasn't. Although it was going to bring them closer, it was really kind of stating how important important Keely's friendship was to Rebecca yeah. when she says, "You know, well, I'll think less of you yes. if you don't." Love that scene. We're in the like Very the good. shoe room, yeah, and it's just like, "Yeah, what are you going to do?" It's like, "Well, I'll think less of you." It's mm-hmm. like, "Oh fuck." Yeah, that's <laughs> that really that means, means a lot. lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's the the work that the show does, and I think that is extremely extremely hard to do. Mm-hmm. So yes. many shows struggle with that sometimes mm-hmm. um, and it's just faultless throughout the entire series it's really really good another thing I just want to talk about what you were saying about Anthony Head as fucking Rupert mm. I've not really seen him in a bunch of other roles mm-hmm. Giles really defines yeah. that actor for me he is amazingly good at playing a complete cunt he like, makes you want to throw things at the table holy like shit. so angry that and I think it's one, he's fantastic in it. I think I was reading a review where they compared his performance to Olivia Coleman's in Fleabag. Like, only comes yes. in time, time again, but just does it so well that you fucking hate them. Yes. Um, and not in an overt way that, like, they're doing it's not villainous twirling, things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like actively trying, other than the Robbie Williams thing, sabotage in a, I'm the bad guy of the season. He's just someone there who is i guess the antithesis to what ted is doing definitely mm. oh yeah no he is he is the closest thing to we, what we get as a real antagonist in this show mm. um uh, like rebecca plays that role to some degree but it was always a redemption story for her yeah. as much as anything else uh and he is used just enough and played so perfectly by him that it works brilliantly mm-hmm. uh what do you want to talk about 
There's like a lot to talk about. And also, <laughs> I just feel like I'm just going to say, yes, I agree. It was great the entire way through. Yeah, I'm, I guess just going off what we, were, what we were just talking about is how well this show crafts its, chara- its characters that you want them to succeed, mm-hmm. oftentimes despite themselves. And I think Rebecca is a great example of that. Sure. You, and I, the actress is so wonderful at seeming so strong and yet so vulnerable at the same time. Hannah Waddingham. Have you seen her in anything before? I don't think I have. Neither have I. She's fucking gorgeous too. Yeah. Great um, singer. Great singer yeah. too. That was a nice surprise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rebecca is, is, is like Ted is the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. Rebecca is probably, this is her season in a way. Like the, mm. ultimately, as much as this is about getting Richmond better and keeping them in the Premier League and all that sort of stuff. It's all it's all motivated by what's happened to her, what she's doing involving Ted and Richmond, and then ultimately it's got to be her redemption story. Mm. And you see it happen every episode, that little bit of progress, one step back, little bit of mm-hmm. progress, one step back. And you never don't like her as no. much as you don't like what she's doing. Yeah. Um, you understand she is probably a good person who mm-hmm. is doing something really, really bad. Because she doesn't know what else to do. Well, yeah, she's incredibly hurt. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, because you see her do these terrible things. And at the beginning, you're like, okay, well, she's going to be a villain, sure. I suppose. But they, yeah, they give her moments through Rupert of such vulnerability. It's just devastating to know because right next to her, you see this person who is so persistently kind mm-hmm. to her. And as a viewer, you just know, it's like, oh, if you just like, let him in, you know, that's going to be such a relief and release for her. But she just can't because it's not as easy as that and she's yep. consistently being put down by this other fucking asshole. But it's such a nice, like, push and pull of, yeah, wanting her to su- succeed bes- despite herself. Totally. Because she just, like, sets herself up to fail. She what she thinks in order to beat Rupert, she has to become like him. Mm-hmm. And it's just the slow evolution and discovery that that is not in any way the kind of person that she wants to be, which we only kind of see in the last two episodes. Her finally, uh, the viewers know it all along, but her finally kind of coming to understand that, that she'd much rather be going through life in the way that Ted does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it like it, it it works from like her relationship with Higgins and the way she treats him mm-hmm. and she but at the same time what I love about that's like while she treats him like dirt often mm-hmm. she has a legitimate reason to be upset with him too which I love he yeah. was an enabler for Rupert's behavior mm-hmm. and so while he is useful and in a lot of ways kind he he is not completely innocent in this situation and therefore mm, yeah. to some degree is. Not deserving necessarily, but you can see why she does what she does to mm. him. Yeah, the righteous fury she feels yeah. does feel justified when she says when he's like lecturing her about like doing bad things or being a bad person. Absolutely. And she just throws it back in his face of like, you did one of the worst things someone could do to me. And seemingly has at that point had not apologized for doing that. A lesser show would have made her much more villainous early on. Mm-hmm. And they would have had, you know, there's an episode where they go to Liverpool, wherever they go to, right, mm-hmm. for their away game. And then Sassy shows up and talks about, this is not the person that I knew. Mm. She was much better. Yeah. And that would be the moment that we're meant to start to go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. she used to be good. Yeah. And then they try and build it from there. 
again, this show is great from the start. It knew exactly what it was doing in episode mm-hmm. one. It gives us enough empathy with Rebecca at that stage. Yep. And as soon as you get Rupert involved at the charity auction, mm. how can you not empathize with her? Because of how... Yeah. It just does the work. The show does the work, which we often talk about. It just... Man, I just admire it in so many ways. It's exactly the sort of television that if I could make it, I would be making. It's mm-hmm. the, it's my genre. It's my uh, ethos, ethos on life. Yeah. It's my style of comedy. Well, not that I can write this comedy, but like the style of comedy that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just all there. Do you? Is there any part of Ted? Why does Ted work so well? You talk about it being overly or could be overly saccharine or he could be, you know, perceived mm. as being naive or whatever. What makes Ted work, even though he is that always positive mm. puppy of a guy? So, well, I think know, because so often when you have an overly positive person, it comes from like an ignorance to, as to how the world really works. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly perceptive and emotionally intelligent. Mm-hmm. And while he walks in with great positivities, he's really good at assessing the needs of others and kind of finding out what exactly they might need. He doesn't always like straight away succeed at doing that. Sure. He has his own strategies that sometimes don't work with certain people. But he is intelligent and you know that he's putting a lot of thought into what he's doing. I'm not watching an idiot go through the world not having any problems mm-hmm. or like trying to solve other people's problems. Like it, it's complicated and he understands the complications around people's issues, but he just wants to help. You're watching someone who is doing his best to help others in an intelligent way. And it, it's just nice to watch. It's also like he's in a position of leadership mm-hmm. and like Leslie Knope, which I think you were speaking to, it's really refreshing to watch people in positions of leadership lead with kindness mm-hmm. and empathy and understanding that in order to build a strong team where it's like an, workplace, sports team, whatever, you cultivating vulnerability really helps fortify bonds. Because if you don't have that, if you can't be open and honest with the people around you, then you're just kind of bumping into each other. But yeah, to really create a solid kind of, you know, in quotes, like family, you yeah. need that. And he understands that as a leader, as does Leslie Nope. Yeah. Um, he is not beyond... He understands what his limitations are yes. as well. And mm-hmm. he's always asking for help. I love what they do with mm. the character of Nate because this is a guy who has no confidence. He's got like, you know, none of the apparent skills that Ted has as a leader. Mm. But he knows what he's talking about where Ted doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And even Coach Beard, who's probably the one character I was like, you could. there's more to do with this character. He's kind of just the sounding board for Ted sometimes, I mm-hmm. think. Um, but it's important that he is there to tell Ted when Ted is doing the wrong thing too. Yeah. And there, it- I also think Coach Beard is there to show that because um, he seems like such a professional, like such a kind of how you would write a coach, like yeah. an American football coach specifically, um, kind of shows that like they work together really well. And the fact that Coach Beard respects him so much yeah. makes you go, well, he must be pretty fucking good at what he does. Yeah. Um, there are... A lot of problems, sometimes problems have easy answers, not convenient answers, but mm. like, you know, they understand what needs to be done and when you do it, it, it works. Mm-hmm. There is lots of times where things fail or there are tough choices to be made that Ted will make, whether mm-hmm. it's benching Jamie, whether it's eventually benching Roy, mm. which was a big one. Yeah. Um, 
I love, I really, really appreciate how this season ends because it would be very easy to just have them still be shit but stay in the Premier League and then mm-hmm. build into like they get better next season, eventually they're going to mm-hmm. win the championship, whatever. The hope that kills you, when I saw, it's the hope that kills you, when I saw the title, I was like, fuck, that's a grim title because I know <laughs> what that means as a supporter of a club that has struggled mm. for a long time. And I understand the passion that supporters have for things like football clubs. It is completely irrational mm-hmm. to care this much about something you cannot control ultimately. But people do. It is extremely mm. meaningful to people. It is to me. And <laughs> I felt every bit of the disappointment when they had that tie wrapped up and then lost it somehow all the same. Mm-hmm. i fucking been in the stands when that's happened. It was so quick too, yeah. It happened very quickly. It can often happen quickly. It's mm-hmm. just ill. The amount of times I've watched Richmond be in a winning position, Richmond, the AFL club, Richmond Tigers, be in a winning position mm. and then fucking Fremantle have done this to us multiple times, somehow end up losing with a kick just before or just after the siren. It's heartbreaking when it happens. It's heartbreak. It's amazing when it happens the opposite way as well. Um, the, I've never. I'm a very passionate football fan. I've never really gotten angry at the team before. When we were terrible, it was sort of like this is disappointing, but this is just where we are. Yeah. It wasn't until we started being good and we started making, giving away games we should have won. The first time ever, I, I had to stand up and walk away. Like I really got. <laughs> I remember the, the it was actually in the season we eventually won the premiership for the first time in my lifetime as well. But I remember specifically that moment. So anyway, the point being, <laughs> I felt all of that and I get it. Mm. But I also knew it was exactly what this story needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It couldn't be the easy victory and it couldn't have come from some stupid Am- Americanized play that they did where suddenly Ted Lasso's NFL-like mm-hmm. strategy wins them the game. Yeah, That would have been super shit and hollow. Mm-hmm. And the show knew that and the incredible decision to have Jamie do the one thing mm. that Ted wanted to do the whole time to win that game against Richmond Greyhounds, that is, that is incredible storytelling. Yeah. It, knows, it knows it needed to be that devastating and mm-hmm. that like poetically devastating as well yeah. to be as effective as it was. Sorry. Yeah. Again, I, told you, I told you I was going to gush. Yeah, so I think good. like that also speaks to something that I really enjoy about Parks and Rec and this show does it really well is that you don't do what is right or what is kind so that you win. You do it because it's right and it's kind. And like life still happens and it's through what you learned through being kind and doing what's right that gives you, yeah, the, the fortitude and the resilience to continue on. Because through those actions, you have built community to help you deal with when things go really, really wrong. Yes. However, Mm. something I also like about this show was (laughs) that it also reminded itself and had to remind Ted that Mm. ultimately when you are in the business of football, winning is the ultimate goal. Yes. So... When they're doing all these like exercises, when they do the curse thing and they're all bringing something that's valuable to them and they're having this vulnerable moment where they're getting rid of something like mm-hmm. that, again, based on things that I know from reading about Richmond's premiership season 2017 are the sort of techniques they did to build connection and get that team together and get them to buy in to that team strategy. It wasn't just to make them better as people, though that is a mm. consequence of it and better as a group and better as individuals. 
it is ultimately has to come down to also getting better at football. Yes. Well, it has to be so the two. win. And the two right? work together. And the two work together. Yes. Um, and so, the, so I'm really glad the show doesn't pretend that it all, it's all fine because it's just about the friends we made along the way, though that is important too. Yes. Coach They're Beard there to do it, something. We are here to win and it has mm-hmm. to be, that has to be part of it because if we're not, yeah. we're not playing football anymore. Yeah. And that makes me really excited about the seasons going forward because they've had this step back that they need to have back mm-hmm. into relegation to the Champions League instead of the Premiership League. And... They've actually laid out, I think, brilliantly what the arc of... Apparently, this is going to be a three-season show from what I've read. But what if I want more? Oh, we're going to want more, <laughs> but that's... I, I will always prefer uh, wanting yeah, more than, than getting more than we should. Yeah. Um, but I think they said it best. Next year, we, we get promoted again, and then we're going to win the champions. And mm-hmm. whether they actually fulfill all of those things, like where they win the championship at the end of season three, who knows? Mm. But they have set up a... Com- very fulfilling arc mm-hmm. based on that. It's it's just excellent storytelling that happens to be in a heartfelt, hilarious sitcom of a show. Yeah. I don't... Everyone should watch this fucking show. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Mm. Uh, talk to me about Keely. Oh, Keely, Keely, Keely. Um, I mean, I... Wouldn't mind marrying her, or at least having like some kind of relationship with this with this person. I am in love, uh, and I'm comfortable with that. I think when Keely first comes on the scene, I I was worried because I thought that we see her. She comes in, she's Jamie's girlfriend, obviously, and then like we a, see a typical wag. Well, style. she's like a page six girl, and so yeah. like we see Ted kind of tape over her boobs in the locker room mm-hmm. um and i was like oh ted's gonna be like a father figure and like teach her to respect herself and i was like i really don't want that at all and that's not what happens and that was such a nice surprise i think with a lot of these characters that we have it's such a nice journey that we go on with them that isn't easy yep. it's not the one that we've seen before yep. and keely i think is a great embodiment of of that she's incredibly smart mm-hmm. and charismatic mm-hmm. and fucking just confident and strong and she's she takes up space in a way that is appropriate like she's like well I'm a great person and like of course everyone wants me in the room cuz they do mm-hmm. cuz why wouldn't you um her friendship with Rebecca is one of my favorite things about the show 100% even though I did want them to like hook up but that's fine I just have to <laughs> deal with that that's something that Shows often do when the female very, friendship they joke about them being in a relationship or fucking and then don't give it to me. That's fine. This I'll is move a very um, uh, what are the names in uh, the Good Place? The, those two characters, uh, Tahani and Eleanor. Eleanor I, 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 we both had a blank there. I knew we started with E, but <laughs> it was like Eleanor and, and, and Tahani. Yeah, it's yeah. like that is they were doing that for you the entire four seasons. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, they they. Every every single show does it. If they have a female friendship, they have to joke about like wanting to fuck each other or be in a relationship. Sure, yeah. And I'm either just be friends yeah. or like just fuck each other. Why are you playing with me? Anyway, um, I didn't get that, but that that's okay because I really did enjoy them getting to know each other. Yep. And I loved how quickly Rebecca was endeared to her. 
Yeah. Just like kind of this brash, wild woman that would come in and I'm assuming she might even remind Rebecca of who she used to be. Sure. Because we hear that from Sassy. She used to be quite confident and free. And so I think it's nice and refreshing for Rebecca to be around someone that, yeah, reminds her of what she used to be and obviously where she can be in the future when she works through all her self-esteem issues. I think in a lesser show, they would have as probably the two only real main female characters in the show, it would be very easy to make them like rub up against each other because mm. they are very different yeah. people on the surface. Well, yeah, because we don't see very often, although I think we're seeing it more and more now, thank goodness, like intergenerational female friendships mm-hmm. don't really happen. It's always very antagonistic. It's always like, oh, no, the younger woman is coming to take my place kind of thing, which is very boring and stupid. So, yeah, that is very nice to see. And it feels genuine. It's They have fun together. They have great chemistry together. Yeah, I love that relationship. I agree. It works so well. Juno Temple, I've not... I realise I've seen her in things here and there, mm. but she is extremely charismatic on the screen. Every time I watch her in something, I'm like, I fucking love Juno Temple. She reminded me a little bit... Her Mostly, I think it's her just playing this character. She had a little bit of Catherine Tate about her at first. I kept th- seeing oh. like a little bit of Donna <laughs> Noble almost, or something like mm-hmm. that in there. I can see that, which yeah. is not Which is not a bad thing at all. Favourite companion from Doctor Who, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for Amy. No, she's my favourite. She's your favourite. How dare you steal I'll my favourite? I'll always be Amy and yeah. Rory. There's no way around it. Uh, yeah, totally agree with all of that. I love Roy as mm. well, Roy Kent, the lovable grump, mm-hmm. who I don't think is a particularly uh, new or stellar journey that he goes on, just this grumpy guy who learns to... Well, I loved, 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 he's like, when he, he knows what's going on, what Ted's trying to do with him, the whole, mm-hmm. like, I understand what you're trying to do, it's not going to fucking work. Yeah. And then just that moment where he's reading A Wrinkle in Time, he's just like, like fuck. Fuck! <laughs> Just like, it gets it uh, worked. And okay, yeah. I guess I have to finally do my thing as captain and be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, Like I said, it's not the most complex or dynamic journey in the mm. show, but there's something about his yeah. performance that just makes him really endearing. His relationship with Keely as well. Oh, there's it, one thing I loved about the relationship with Keely because yeah. it's like they obviously do the whole like opposites attract thing, which is great. But oftentimes I'll sit back and be like, but when they're like at home alone together, like, are they actually having a good time? But sure. there's quite a few moments when they finally get together that they, you know, just at Keely's house, or whatever. And Roy says something that isn't just like so grumpy that it's funny to Keely. It is actually a joke. Yes. And yes, she he finds is funny. it, he's funny and she finds it funny. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. It, it is, it's not just opposites attract. They have a similar sense of humor and like enjoy each other's company. It, it's, they, what ends up being is that this is his personality. It's a personality that he's probably had to have for all number of reasons, being in the sort of occupation he's mm. in and, and where he's come from. Um, but there's no, there was never any doubt, or it's, it's made apparent early on that he has a heart of God underneath there. And, mm. like, when they go to the kids' school thing, uh, I think it's in episode three when Ted's got the reporter following mm-hmm. around, and he's like, let's get outside and have a real fuck around or whatever. And, like, he's there with his niece. and like, I don't know. It's just, mm. yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah, there's one moment when, like, yeah, he's... <laughs> Love it. Give it, what are they called? Headers or something? When he's throwing sure, the ball yes. at the kids yeah. and they're all like hitting it with their, their noggins. And there's one girl, he throws it and she just misses it completely. And he's just like, that's all right. I like that. Yeah, like, yeah. it's a little bit, I was like, that's really cute. Because I thought he'd like, the thing you'd expect him to do is like, 
oh, you fucking idiot, or whatever, like something grumpy, but like or somewhat. Just, he hates kids or something yeah. like that, right? It'd be really easy just but to But he was having a fine time. He was yeah. having a fucking great time. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. He loves his niece. Yeah. He like, ah. Oh. Even when he calls her a fucking idiot. It's Even hilarious. when he calls her a fucking idiot. <laughs> and she says, he, she knows he's funny. Yeah. It's obvious that he is funny. Yeah. He's just funny in a very grumpy way. Yeah. What about Jamie? Do you have any thoughts on Jamie Tart? Yeah. So he's kind of, I suppose, the classic modern sports star who mm-hmm. is overly confident and cocky and self-obsessed, image-obsessed, um, so, like, emotionally distant that, like, seemingly unreachable. And for a lot of the time he absolutely is. And there's certain moments where you can see how that is a good thing and a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when te- when they're doing the lion and panda thing and Jamie goes, he's like, well, I'm me. Why would I want to be either of those things? And Ted says, I don't think you understand how like mentally healthy that yeah, is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like to have that blind confidence is incredible and obviously very useful in what he does. But it does like distance him from other people. He is unable to connect with those around him, whether it's his team members. Is that? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Teammates. Uh, teammates. That's that's better. Um. Keely, obviously, he holds her at arm's length despite the fact that he clearly cares about her very mm-hmm. deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad they didn't do the easy thing where he just learns a lesson and then is like forever changed. Like, he's got a lot of shit to deal with. Well, he is ultimately one of the more tragic figures in the story yeah. if you look at his relationship with his dad. Mm. Um, is that in the curse episodes where we find out about that? He's um, throwing yeah, his boots he's in the his cleats, bin. Yeah. He's talking about, yeah, that's right. He's talking about his cleats and he's talking about, yeah, that having to not be... Was he calling him soft, I think is what he called mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And then he got became so hard that he could never, ever be called soft again by his dad. Yeah. And so that... Like, I did not see that coming, mm. that very moment at the end where he's done the pass and then you, Ted sees him in the locker room and there's that, like, knowing moment and then the fucking thing gets thrown across the room and his dad's in there is abusing him to be exactly what he said. Yeah. My heart breaks for Jamie at that point. Yeah. That's... Like, the that's- performance of, like, Jason Sudeikis watching that yeah. was heartbreaking. Like, you could watch his heart break yeah. for Jamie... And he was so upset. But I also love that he didn't go in and try and fix it because that's way more complicated and like not his job to do that. But you could, yeah, see watching his heart break made, made it feel even worse what we were seeing with Jamie there. Ted very rarely is white knighting at mm-hmm. all in this. He does it one well, time and he, he calls it out. He's like, I think they call it white knighting. Yeah, yeah. And he calls it out. Which is great. And it's still a great moment. Because mm-hmm. um, it's what you want him to do because like he's earned at that point because so, there's been so many times up to that that he hasn't done that for absolutely, her. Absolutely, yeah. And then when he finally pushes it too far, he's it, like, okay. It's not too far and he has a power in that moment yeah. to make something happen that is going to be good for everybody yes. in that situation. And it's like, as what I also love about that moment in that episode, fucking hell, I told you I was going to be gushy. <laughs> well, what I love about that moment in that episode is that you know, and the show knows that you know what's going to happen next. Mm. But rather than pretend it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. it fully leans into it. it. says, you know what's about to happen. Yeah. Ted knows what's about to happen. Everybody in this room is reacting because they know what's about to happen. Yeah. And it still works because of it. It's wonderful. It, yeah. It, if they earned it. They earned it. it. They do. They totally earned it. Exactly mm-hmm. right. And that whole speech he gives is oh, wonderful. Was it being like curious? 
Yes, about the interesting being curious and judgmental. Mm. Oh. So beautiful. You could live your and life I, and off I the was like, Ted Lasso. That's so fucking true. <laughs> like, it's it's obvious, but it just made me go, hmm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. Have you watched... So, do you want to talk about this for a second? Because I realise we haven't spoken about this at all. I'm not... I realise I know who Jason Sudeikis is, mm-hmm. right? I also realise I've not really watched him in anything properly. I went through his IMDb and I'm like, I've not watched Horrible Bosses. I've not watched... Um, didn't he do that? The Millers or whatever it was as well. Mm. Like, I have watched those things. Yeah, I I haven't, but I know of him. Mm. Uh, Steph, because I was watching this with Steph, she quite liked the show as well. As someone mm. who doesn't give a shit about sport, um, she was like, he's like a better Ed Helms. And I was like, that's actually a really good way of putting it. He sort of, I feel like, it's has rude. probably <laughs> played be- similar types of roles. He's a similar sort of like physical presence, I think, mm. is Ed Helms. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, is maybe better at doing what he does. I'm not a big fan of Ed Helms, I've realised along the way. I, I, the bits I've watched of him in The Office, I'm not a massive fan of. And I mean, I think it depends what... This is not about Ed Helms, though. No, <laughs> I think it depends what you're given to do, right? Because sure. you might have said the same thing about Jason Sudeikis until he was a part of Ted Lasso. Well, Ed Helms is also a producer just as uh, Jason Sudeikis. It's not like Ed Helms is not giving... Himself options. A producer of. Uh, he's he was one of the producers on the latest um, Annie Donna special and stuff like that. Yeah, like, he's like behind the scenes doing stuff like this as well. Uh, yes. Jason Sudeikis is doing this for Ted Lasso as well. Yeah, but this is like a vehicle for Jason Sudeikis to really kind of show his gorgeous range, which is sure. spectacular. Uh, and Ed Helms probably isn't perhaps interested stuff. in doing that or whatever it might be. Sure. So I, th- I mean, they've got similar stuff about them. I don't know I, about I, comparing them. Maybe the better way of putting it is they are like similar tiers of like comedy celebrity status. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Ed Helms yeah. was in The Hangover and stuff and those sorts of things. Mm. has been doing network sitcoms. And then I think that's sort of the same sort of area as Jason Sudeikis who was doing like SNL and, yeah. you know, The Millers and Horrible Bosses and stuff like that. Mm. Anyway, point B, <laughs> wasn't super familiar with um, Jason Sudeikis, though I did know of him. Mm. Fucking him, super impressed. Really good. With him in this show. He is not, it's not phoning it in. It is always genuine, authentic. It could be very easy to play Ted in a way that is just a cartoon. Yes. And he doesn't. Yeah. Which is like, because obviously I had read that it was based on some kind of like commercial or whatever, because it says it's based on a character created for NBC Sports in yes. the title. So I'll explain this. When I, NBC yeah. got the rights to start showing the Premier League, they wanted to get American audiences to watch it. Yeah. So they made... So Jason Dacus and uh, the guy who plays Coach Beard, who's now I've forgotten all of a sudden, uh, Brendan Hunt, created their characters because Coach Beard is in these promos as well. Yeah, I've seen them. Oh, you have watched them. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's I what I was about to there. say. Sorry, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and so they were just there to sort of promote and you're like, oh, here's an American perspective on soccer. You should watch yeah. this thing. So like when I was watching them... I was like, oh, okay, this is just the character that we see, like, you know, in the beginnings of, like, The Office and that type of thing where it's, like, the ignorant boss who just, like, comes in and is kind of, like, so, like, privileged they can walk into any space and just be like, blah, 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 blah. And that is the joke is that they think they know everything. They don't actually know everything. Um, and But what they developed him into Mm -hmm. is so wonderful and Mm. such a better idea because obviously we've seen that a million times before now but to create 
someone who is coming into a space that they are unfamiliar with, but is like aware of that, wants to learn, um, is getting to know everyone in a genuine way and not just like talking at people. It's like, it's softer and warmer, but it is just as funny, if not funnier. Well, that's what's. I would encourage anyone who enjoys Ted Lasso to go and find the original. There's only two of them. They go for mm. about seven to ten minutes each. Um, these little promos that NBC did. Yeah. Because it's an incredible lesson in like adaptation and like they evolution. They're the same jokes. They are identical, yeah. <laughs> with slight variations mm-hmm. on where they're coming from because the character is slightly evolved to yes. not be that sort of the one you're talking about, all that privilege and just walking in assuming you know yeah. it all. They take that and those same jokes and they move them into the Ted Lasso we get in the show who Mm -hmm. arrives similar but better, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would say. Mm -hmm. And it works works because it works just, yeah, it still works. That's what's incredible about it. It's such a good development. It is. And something that I haven't really seen. I mean, like, that's the thing is like Leslie Nope gets there. Yeah. But the first iteration of Leslie Nope we get is very similar. I mean, she's not... I would argue she's kind of female Michael Scott in some yeah, ways. Yeah, I mean, she she is. Yeah. That's kind of like the, what's the, what's that word? I'm not sure. I'm what? doing a weird squiggly thing with my arms yeah. at the audience. <laughs> I want to say archetype, but then mix sure. it with architecture, but that doesn't Let's make any- archetype. Any- I think archetype yeah, is right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad we got there together, everyone. I just everyone. the flourishes. It I know, was like she was conducting an orchestra <laughs> with her hands. It was wonderful. I wish you could have seen it, guys. But yeah, like, so Leslie, no, but the very beginning is- overbearing. I mean, she always kind of is, but she's just kind of, she is that ignorant boss. Sure. Even though she's middle management. Um, But from the very beginning, Ted Lasso is something different, which Leslie Nope eventually gets to, which is like someone who is leading with kindness and is trying their best to kind of understand those around them. Not always succeeding, but at least trying. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah, I think, you know, maybe they took some notes from what we all learned from Parks and Rec, like, how that dynamic can work really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do find it incredible that it works so quickly that so I quickly. can't see a single element that isn't working within the cast and within the show. Mm. I love, like, I remember in the first episode, just to get off track slightly, but I remember in the, in the first episode, they had those three guys in the pub who were watching and, like, calling mm. a wanker or whatever and, mm-hmm. like, reacting to the interview. And I was like, oh, those guys are going to be background characters that we see a lot. Mm-hmm. They're going to represent the general feeling of Richmond fans. Yeah. And that's exactly where they were. And it's a great place for them to be. I love May the Bar, the the woman who works in the pub, mm-hmm. um, all these sorts of characters throughout who reappear. Uh, the, that, the teenage girl the, who the plays soccer. The teenage girl soccer, yeah. yeah. Shannon or something, I think her name is. I can't yes, remember. Like Those little moments. I mm-hmm. love all of that. All of it works. And they were bold enough to just start doing that from the beginning. It feels like... It feels like season three or four of a show that has developed over time. It just somehow arrives mm-hmm. this good. I don't understand how they did that. Is it maybe you've got more time to kind of marinate and develop things when you're not being run directly by like a network? Maybe. Maybe it's just the way that they do business. I well, don't know. I'm going to tell you, I've not watched a lot of Apple Plus Stuff, Apple TV Plus stuff, but I've watched mm. two comedies so far, and both of them are pretty good. What was the other one? Mythic Quest. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Was I think it is doing what most other comedies do, which is sort of like warming up into itself. Yes. Like the first season, you can see it starting to get its way. The special they did during last year, they did like a um, uh, quarantine special, mm. is the best episode of the show 
arguably, except for maybe one in season mm. one that's very, very good that stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a show that is finding itself. Mm-hmm. And so that's impressing me that they're, they're, they're doing that. And this is the second comedy of only two that I know of. Mm. How many? How many networks have like a bunch of different sitcoms all running at once of which one or two might be good and the rest like die off within a season or two. Mm. And they It's I'll been a long it. time since there's been a good run for like places like NBC. NBC Thursday nights where they had Parks and Rec, The Office and, and Community Rock and, and 30 stuff. Rock. Yeah. yeah. Like it's been a long time since we've yeah. seen that sort of quality. So Apple TV Plus finding two great comedies or mm. at least good comedies off the bat's pretty impressive actually. They've managed to let them sort of be as good as they are. Kudos to them. Kudos to them. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes for us to mask? I do have a few. I mean, they're mostly quotes, but I think they speak to why Ted is so likable right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, he's full of positivity and, like, this insane eagerness... That isn't what's funny, though. He's often making jokes that he knows are jokes. Yeah. Which just make you like the guys. Like, well, he's a funny guy, then I would want to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Um, one moment, which I think is one of my favorite moments, if not the favorite moment, is his reaction to when Higgins says, Caesar, you later. when they Because they're going to have salads for lunch. Yeah. And Ted says goodbye to Higgins as he leaves the office. And Higgins goes, Caesar, you later. And there's a moment. And then Ted almost like rips the door off its hinges and just like is jumped, he's jumped back into the room and just points at Higgins and says, Yes. Like <laughs> he is so happy that someone is playing with him. Yeah. It was very nice. Um, another quote I loved was when Rebecca says, do you believe in ghosts? And Ted responds, this is the first episode, I believe. He's like, I do, but most importantly, I think they need to believe in themselves, <laughs> which is beautiful. Another moment, an early episode as well, I believe, Rebecca says, I have a branding meeting, to which Ted says, I always feel bad for the cows, but you've got to do it, otherwise they get lost. And there's a moment he goes, that's a branding joke. Um, so, yeah, he... He's aware, he is funny, and he is beautiful and kind and positive, all those things. Also, just like little character moments that make characters feel genuine, one of which that comes to mind is Sam, who is, you know, a minor character. He pops in and out when Ted is trying to make him feel better and he gives him a little army man. Yes. And he's just like... This is on my list, Yeah, he's like, oh... Um, can I give this back to you because I don't have the same relationship with, you know, the armed forces. And Ted's like, oh, imperialism. He's like, yeah, imperialism. I was like, I wouldn't, as a white woman, I wouldn't have thought to do that, to write that. But it makes so much sense. So genuine, fits the character, informs us that he has a different perspective and Ted respects that and understands that. That's what's great about that too. It's like, it it somehow makes a joke out of people just being genuinely decent. Like it was well, well, well-meaning. It wasn't meant to be an insult or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Sam understands it was well-meaning, but let's Ted know that, you know, this is not as meaningful to him as it is to Ted. Not appropriate really. And Ted goes, all right, that makes sense. And like, cool, no No problem. Move on. We learned something about both those characters and it's a genuinely charming moment. Yes. Tick, tick, tick. 
Fuck this show. <laughs> They're all my side notes. So okay, go cool. For it. Uh, you stole one of mine because I was talking about that exact line. Actually, I'm so sorry. I, it's it's it was just a great like. Oh, this is what this show is capable of doing. This is mm-hmm. very cool. Just Coach Beard, uh, Brendan Hunt. Had you seen him in anything before? Sorry, Brendan who? Hunt, Coach Beard. Had you seen him in anything before? He looked really familiar, but I'm not sure why. Because I was trying to like scratch my head, like I fuck you're familiar. What is it mm. from? Because I've seen Community way too many times. Mm. He had one role, very small role, in season three when Annie's move. And there's a bit where Britta and uh, Britta and Shirley are driving, and they're talking about Shirley's like, "Let's pick up this hitchhiker," and they pick him up, and it's that guy that's like, "Yeah, thinks he's Jesus." That's yeah. Coach Beard. Oh, that's yeah. probably where I know him from. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jesus loves marijuana. <laughs> uh, no way. At least I don't think so, but maybe this is different in soccer. There's no way these players would be able to drink beer or drink in general as much as they do in this show. Like, there are strict fucking rules about what you can do diet-wise and stuff, and they are constantly drinking beer. Elite sports people. Mm. Maybe that says something about the difference between the fitness of soccer players and AFL players. Hey, oh, AFL's better. Um, <laughs> I mean, Jamie drinks vanilla vodka. That's all I remember. <laughs> Jamie drinks vanilla vodka. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of like, lot of drinking going on. Yes. And like, like I know I know from going to functions where I can have a drink and mm. Richmond players are there and they're all having fucking water. Like, that sucks. Yeah, it does. It does suck, but that's a sacrifice you make for your sport. And also a shit ton of money. And a shit ton <laughs> of money. Though a lot more, again, a lot more in the Premier League than mm. in Australian rules football. Uh, the Iron Giant should always garner the response that it did from that team. I've never say. seen it. I know I, it's been on my list for so long. I just like have never felt emotionally ready because I know it's going to be devastating. I know I need to watch it. It's a great, great movie. I, like, yeah. I'm, I want to. I'm just, I'm not ready. Least favourite and favourite episode. What was your least favourite episode, Damask? It was really hard because I don't really have a least favourite. Because even there's, if there's a moment that I'm like, mm, don't love that moment, the rest of the episode is amazing. Mm. Um, I guess if I had, do I have to pick one? Do, do you uh, have any? Uh, I would, I don't think... I've the answer is I don't have a least favorite episode, but I'll do my best to give one. Okay, I'll do my best to give one as okay, well, because um, that's yes, yes, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> I I think I'm gonna have to choose episode six. It's the curse one. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's bad. I guess I just thought the curse thing was a bit silly, but like you said, it's a bo- sport bonding thing. Yeah. That makes sense. But I. But I liked every all the character stuff that was going on in it. I just thought the guy injuring himself, the cursed room, it felt like it was doing something a bit different than what sure. was happening it, before. But it wasn't bad. It was just, I don't know, okay. broke the flow for me maybe slightly. I agree with you. There are no bad episodes of this show. Yeah. I'm going to say episode one, the pilot is my least favorite episode, purely because... I got more attached as the show went on. So, by definition, it's my least favorite episode because <laughs> I was least attached at the time of watching it. Mm-hmm. That's all I've got. I actually want to talk about episode one, something I didn't mention earlier. The the thing about Ted as well, the dimension they give him is what's happening back home and why mm. he's come to the mm-hmm. UK. And the pilot does a great job of just setting up all the characters and the quirkiness and fun. And then its ending note, essentially, is like, and this is the underlying sadness behind this character and why they're here and what's going on back home. Mm-hmm. And they give you that just like emotional gut punch right at the end to make you really give a shit about this yeah. guy beyond just being Mr. Positive. Yes. Um, and they build well up done. to it so well because in that the first moments of the show, 
that we see, you know, Ted on the plane and stuff. We immediately know that he's silly and fun and yeah. positive. And then we have that moment where he's just looking at his lock screen, which is his family. He, this guy is all those things, plus he loves his family. Yeah. You immediately know who this character is. You don't know how much you're going to love him, but you know who he is. Like, I think just the opening of this show, like, straight away I should have known they know what they're doing because it's such a strong opener. Yeah. Mm. The... Just the and the way that that conversation at the end takes place though as well, where mm. it's like phone call, how you doing, bud? Talking to his son, and then kind of put your mum on, and then we're not hearing that conversation, but the way it just sort of like subtly turns into yeah. something not cool. Like mm-hmm. there's obviously there's obviously just something there's going on here. Yeah, fucking excellent storytelling. Uh, favorite episode. This was really hard. Because I was like, is my favorite one for the opening reason? Is yeah. my favorite five? Is it seven? Is it nine? Is it ten? Like, I was just going through all of them. I was like, oh, but I really love that. Oh, but I really love that. But oh my God, I really love that. I think ultimately, though, I'm going to go with five. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really. Which is five? Um, It's the one where Ted lets his wife go. Yep. Which is such a. Big, beautiful, big, incredible moment. Beautiful, harrowing, emotional, oh my God, moment. It feels genuine and heartbreaking. Tan Lines is the name of the episode. Tan Lines. Um, it's also when, you know, Jamie he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and finally um, Ted benches him. Mm-hmm. It's a moment where the team really kind of bands together without Jamie in that moment. You have that kind of, because at that point, like they're losing and you have that moment of like catharsis of like, oh, okay, there's some hope. Even though um, on the personal side, things are falling apart, the team seems to be coming together. So I feel like that's a really nice balance. Uh, We also have Keely and Roy in the car park, which I found genuinely funny when Keely is, when Roy's like, oh, did I scare you? And Kelly's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you surprise a woman alone in a car park at night. Yes, well done. Um, but yeah, nice bit of chemistry there to mm-hmm. kind of be like, oh, I'm invested in this now as we move yep. forward. Yeah. Uh, I love the episode as well. It's not my favorite. All, you could literally yes. throw a blanket over any of them and I'd say, yeah, that's the best one. Yeah. Um, I was just something just thinking about the episode though. This is the second show I can think of that we've reviewed that has a really important message about how divorce can be exactly the right thing to do. Like, mm. as heartbreaking, as tough as it can be, it also is sometimes just what is right. Mm. Um, what, was the, what was the other one? I don't want to spoil things. Oh, okay. But, we'll uh, talk about that later. There is a show that, we'll, that yeah. we've talked about at length. Uh, we are built around this idea of, like, there's a whole episode dedicated that involves an Ariana Grande fairy talking about the... Oh, yes. Okay, thank you. That yeah. was probably broad enough that if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, otherwise you won't. That is like, the fact that I knew what you meant... Says a lot Good. because I don't remember anything. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give actually my favorite episode to episode six, Two Aces, the one that you said was mm. your least favorite. Um, I, the, so what you said interestingly about the curse thing, right? Mm. I totally understand what you're saying. Yes. But superstition is a big part of sports. Like yeah. it's just a thing um, that is around players, it's around teams, it's around supporters. It just exists as a part of it. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. I'm not a superstitious person. And yet, I wear specific things when Richmond are playing. Mm-hmm. Like, I am superstitious when it comes to rich- to sport for I some reason. I remember, like, I think it was this season gone by, but I had been watching the games with you and Richmond was losing. And then I didn't come one week and they won. And I just was like, well, I guess I can't come <laughs> There was So, there's this thing that I, I've not spoken to anyone about because I'm worried it's going to break the, the, the charm of it. Mm-hmm. That I've been doing 
the last three times that Richmond have won premierships. Mm-hmm. I've been doing in the during the final series that I didn't do for the first round of the finals and we lost. Mm-hmm. I started doing it this year and we won. And I will never talk about it until Richmond stopped winning. Is it masturbating during No, a game? no, okay. it's not. But like that's how real it is. Mm-hmm. Like when they lost, I was like, this is my fault. <laughs> I started doing that thing again. Um that and the 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 vulnerability exercise and like what mm. that meant to have that group of grown men in that room doing that and the lessons that can be learnt from that and just I don't know, I don't know just for that in that moment I think it was when I really realised just how in love with this show I was mm-hmm. it happened I thought multiple times but for some reason episode six it just hit me just like I. I, mean, I adore this show. It is like when you're falling in love and mm. you're like, I love this person. They do something else. And you're like, oh, I really love this person. They do something else. And you're like, oh my God, I'm in love with you. I'm going to spend the yeah. rest of my life with you. Yeah. That's kind of exactly where I was. I was like, I don't think this show can do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, predictions, hopes, concerns going forward. I don't have any concerns. I've, I feel pretty safe in the arms of the creators and the writing team. Um, and the actors, can, so can we just say the whole cast are incredible in this show. Everybody. And everyone is, they work so well together. Um, so well done. We didn't talk did about casting. Nate much at all. Nate the Great. He's great. We love him. He's adorable. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> bit like also, I love, I thought it was such an amazing moment because it's exactly what that character would have put in the barrel is like those glasses. And a girl once said that he looked like Clive Owen in them. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. I just thought, yes, I've I've met a guy just like that who a girl has said like one thing about an item of clothing and then they wear it forever even though if it's unfashionable or looks terrible or makes no sense. Like, like so good, so good. Um, yeah, Nate's great. I don't know why this moment I loved as well. In episode mm. three, there's a bit they're talking about Nate. I think they need something from him. And they mm. turn over to him and he's on the pitch. He's like, someone's been walking their dog here. Found another poo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's when the reporter's there <laughs> yeah. and he's like, who's that? Because <laughs> yeah. he's helping them with their plays, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Um, so, obviously, so I don't have any concerns. Obviously, they're going to fight for the to get back into the Premier League next season. Yep. Um, I think Rupert will be so furious about being relegated. He might make a play to kind of get, um, get rid of... Rebecca, sure. at least, if not to, yes, fully take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, I, I feel like we, Roy will be some kind of trainer or something. I think he's going to end up being a coach. Yeah, like he's got the experience mm-hmm. in of the sport that yep. Ted doesn't and have. And there's no way and even Ted that will Nate, just let him walk away. And even that Nate doesn't have, because Nate, yeah. while he's an enthusiast, he's not a player. Yeah, um, Roy is a different situation. I could see this being a story also ultimately for Roy where he, uh, by the end of the third season, he's so into the idea of coaching, mm-hmm. having learnt from Ted what he learns and in his own experience, that he either takes over Richmond or he goes he off goes to coach else. another team and that's like his next thing. Yeah. Um, I could see that happening. Yeah. I hope he teaches whatever team Jamie will be playing on at could be stage. Could be something like that totally. Yeah. yeah I yeah. could see that as well. Um. I, I the thing is about Rebecca sh- and Keely will fuck. <laughs> That's a hope. Yeah. That's a wish. It's a prayer. I wish. I wish. I wish. I mean, in a lot of ways, the bit I'm just most excited about is that the, this is this was Act One, and you can feel it was Act One. It is definitely the beginning. Mm-hmm. As much as this feels like a complete thought, it also feels like that was Step One. Next step is this. Um, it all makes sense. 
It is all in some ways, if you really want to think about it, I don't think where this show is going to go is going to surprise you that much, mm-hmm. right? Like, it sounds like it's going to be three seasons. As you said, that seems like not enough in some ways because you could watch the, do this forever. Yep. But but three seasons, three acts, a complete story. It's sort of, sort of already laid out where They've it's likely to go. They've kind of told you what's going to happen. And like that scene of Ted being the white knight with the darts, mm. I don't think it matters that you know what's going to happen no, next. No, I don't think so. Because the storytelling and the character work and the performances and the writing is so strong mm-hmm. that you're just going to fucking enjoy the ride. Yes. And like there'll be twists and turns and things that I don't see coming, but mm. the overall general arc is relatively predictable. And that's fine with me. I just want to spend time with people you care about. I believe in this show. I believe in the mission statement. I, like you, have virtually no concerns (laughs) for what comes next. Mm -hmm. I'm so filled with confidence by this creative team. It's so far to fall. (laughs) True. Imagine if season two was bad. Just us crying for an hour. Yeah. How did they fuck it up this much? Why did they do some kind of weird timey-wimey thing? Why did they do- <laughs> Worst world again? <laughs> no one stays dead on this show anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just... I just can't wait for it to come out. I think it's starting production last month. Mm. Hurry the fuck up. Oh, that's also another thing that was happening at the time. was like my cat was like dying Ugh. and Higgins kept mentioning his old cat. Yeah. And I was just like, this show is actually really comforting to me to watch. Thank you so much. So it was, it was yes, very healing during that time. I appreciated it. And I love that his cat's name was Cindy Crawford. Cindy, what was it? Cindy Clawford, Clawford. Sorry, Clawford. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at B Gordes, B G O R D E S, Damask. And find me on Twitter at Maskymo, M A S K Y M O O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss It's a Sin, Season 1. Paul Mitzi from the Swapcast podcast will be back to join us for that. It's going to be gay. Very much looking forward to that. In the meantime, Thank you again for listening. Go watch Ted Lasso. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so we